Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Good evening. Thank you for coming out tonight for straightforward financial growth. Yeah, I'm looking forward to growing together with you. So thanks so much for coming. We have some free seats near the front. If you feel like where you're seated is not so fancy or funky, or if you're just coming in, right here there are some free seats. They are written on reserved. They are reserved for you. Awesome. My name is Mose, and I'm really privileged and honored to be sharing with you this weekend. Uh, thank you for coming through the traffic. Someone took a border all the way from Webaja. <laughs> Jesus. I found someone who took a border all the way from Webaja to be here this evening. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Awesome. What's your favorite money song? Wait, is that right? Please, give it a shot. Uh-huh. Band Mutweki. Everybody. Which is the other one? Which is the other one? <clears throat> Favorite money song? <laughs> what? Ani akola sente? Lugenda lutia. And then the people from 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Money, money, money. Uh-huh. Remembers this one. Look at the Gamba be a Falangai. Sente, Sente, Sente. Akati? I'm a Falanga. Aha, Sumurula. Anyway, anyway. Enough of the money songs. We're going to sing about money all night, right? Someone wrote on Facebook, and they said, describe your financial state using a verse. And the guy wrote, in the beginning, there was nothing. At the end of the day, we all need to we need to care about this thing called money. And in the course of tonight and tomorrow, we'll be increasing our awareness about money, why we should care about money, and how to actually make money and grow it. Right? So that that's what we want to share. I I, I certainly have not arrived. But I've been making some, st taking some steps on this journey, and together, we, I feel like we can make a significant impact when we take those steps together. Is that all right? Yeah. Great. So why care about wealth? Why care about wealth? Why care about wealth? So for, for starters, so that you can have a clicker that works. All right, let's try that again. Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you? Whoever is making this thing work on the computer, thank you so much. Let's try it one more time. Did you? Was that me or you? Let's try. This. Okay. Ding. Ding. Okay. Oh. Oh. Jesus. So we're going to look at, uh, just to give you a bit of an overview. Tonight we are laying the foundation, adjusting our heads and recalibrating our thermostats. And so, those who are not here tonight, they are going to miss the best part. Then tomorrow morning, we'll get into the acquisition part. How to acquire the money. And tomorrow mid-morning, we'll look at the management part. How to retain the money that you acquire. And then in the, in the afternoon, we are going to look at the most exciting part. How to get God to be a part of this whole thing and how is the super accelerator that you probably have not yet engaged. All right? 
So tell your neighbor, it's not about you. It's not about you. When we start talking about money and wealth, it's not about you. The people who are outside, if you want to come in, we have lots of seats. Just keep coming in. There's lots of seating. Just come in. Don't, don't miss. One, it's estimated that a person dies of hunger or hunger-related causes every 10 seconds. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand, five, one thousand, six, one thousand, seven, one thousand, eight, one thousand, nine, one thousand, ten. A second person just died of hunger since I started counting. A third person just died of hunger since they started counting. Okay. I stopped counting. <laughs> Emma is getting this. It's like, stop counting so they stop dying. No. <clears throat> A person dies of hunger every 10 seconds. Some people have shared this statistic with them, so don't keep your, don't shout it out. How many children, I'm talking about children, not adults. How many children go to bed every night hungry? Give me a figure. Shout out a figure. In the world, how many children go to bed every night hungry? Brian, shout a figure. Just give me a figure. It's not there. It's not on the screen. Stop looking. Uh -huh. 1.5 million, someone else. 50 million, uh-huh. That, that section, 10 million. All right. 300 million children go to bed every night on an empty stomach. 300 million. And I'm sure you don't need any guesses where the majority of those come from. Many people here are parents. Just imagine that. There's all these depressing statistics about Africa. More than 300 million people lack access to clean water. 65 million people are displaced due to war. 15,000 people are displaced by war every day in Africa. 1,200 children die of malaria daily. 90% of those are from Africa. So you could say that's a thousand a day. Malaria, we are talking malaria here, mosquitoes. <clears throat> Tell your neighbor it's not about you. All right? And you know what? All these issues, I think, are related to money. That's my personal conviction. It's a money issue. Either the money is in the wrong hands or the people who should have the money don't have it and be, they don't have it because they don't know how to make it and they don't know how to grow wealthy. Some contrasts. <clears throat> Tell your neighbor, mind the gap. <laughs> You'll excuse me, I have to keep using my hanky because somehow this cold wasn't notified that we have SSFG this weekend and it showed up last night. Yeah, you know, that's why I'm not dead. Anyway, <laughs> in 
In May 2018, the New York Stock Exchange, only one stock market, the biggest in the world, but only one in the Western world, traded $975 billion. That's people trading, you know. I sell, you buy. On the New York Stock Exchange. The national budget for that just was read the other day is 32 trillion Uganda shillings, which is about 8.8 .8 billion. In other words, one month's volume of trade on the New York Stock Exchange can run the Uganda government for 110 years. <clears throat> Let that settle with you a little bit. As in, if guys just donated all the money they traded, they can come here and say, don't pay taxes for 100 years. And we are all on Facebook with those people. They are our friends. <laughs> we are following. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, is now considered the richest man in the world with about $108 billion. That means he can run our government for 12 years. He can come and donate the money and they don't have to tax you for 12 years at the current rate. In 2011, the US used more fuel daily, and that figure is only gasoline, excludes diesel and aviation fuel. More than we used the whole year as Uganda. So, the question begs, are Africans poor? I don't think Africans are poor because the Democratic Republic of Congo has mineral wealth of more than $24 trillion, which is the combined GDP of Europe and USA. One country. That's why they're in a perpetual state of war. The interested parties in what they have are way too many. And they are not Congolese. Are you with me? I don't know if you've ever been to the Congo. I have. <clears throat> there is nothing that shows that they have $24 trillion worth of wealth. So our, our, our problem is not that we don't have the resources. Our problem is that we've not applied our minds to tap into the resources that we have. That's why we continue having the richest continent housing the poorest people on earth. And I believe so strongly that it is your responsibility and my responsibility, our generation, to change this story. When it comes to making money there, I'm sure some of you are almost already disappointed. Like, where is the revelation? <laughs> Here is the reveille. Three points. It's only three points. I kid you not. Three. Acquire, 
retain, grow. It is as simple as that. As, can you just play that video? Just play that video. And we see how this whole thing works. Acquire, retain, grow. With money, it is a simple formula. You go to earn more than you spend, period. The lower you do that, and the better you do that, you create that gap. That's how you accumulate wealth. And it was the only issue. So everything is relative. If you're earning 50,000 shillings, and you spend 20,000 shillings, and you save 30,000 shillings, you're doing well. If someone earns 500,000 shillings, but spends 485,000 shillings, you only save 15,000 shillings. It's not good. Unfortunately, the way we are programmed as human beings, when you get a promotion, you want a better house, a better lifestyle, you start spending much more. So the more you go up the ladder, the more you spend. So you find so many people right up there, they earn a lot of money, but they don't save anything, they don't invest anything, they have a good lifestyle, but the day you stop earning, they back to you. They drop like, like a stone from thrown up in the air. So it helps to learn how to save. Now, saving on its own is not good. Many people talk about saving, saving, saving. Saving is a means to an end. It's good to save so that you can invest. If you don't invest, there's no point in saving. And people think, oh, I've saved so much money, my money is saved in the bank, and that's my saving, that's my retirement. I sympathize with that. If that money is not being invested wisely, the money will depreciate because of inflation, depreciate against foreign exchange. In real terms, the value of the money is dropping. And the longer you save, the worse of you will be, because that money goes. But if you save money, and saving is a means to investing, and you invest, then your money starts growing, and that is important. Now, financial literacy is understanding the whole equation, knowing where you start and where you end, so that it is self-fulfilling. It's like a circle that is growing, a virtuous circle. The more you save, the more you invest. The more you invest, the more you earn, the more you save. And then it keeps self-propelling, it just keeps growing like a snowball. Every time the ball goes a full circle, it gets bigger, it's picking up snow. I don't know if Ugandans will understand the concept of the snowball, but I think they do. So you need to do something that will help you. And the beginning, the first turn of the ball is really hard. It's like pushing a car or a train. To get it off, to start going, is really hard. But once it starts moving, it gains inertia. That inertia helps you. Now the harder you push, the faster you go, the easier it should become. And that's when it becomes. Until it's like you're pushing a car in water and it's literally floating and it becomes so light. You just keep cruising. So, business is like that. Financial interest is like that. The better you understand the language of money, the easier it is to make money. The easier it is to invest in wisely. You will make mistakes inevitably. You can read all the books, but when you go to practice, something's go wrong. And so, you must prepare to cut your losses. And with practice, the more you make decisions that are right, the better the decisions you make, the better you become in business. So you find that because you make so many decisions and so quickly, it becomes like a reflex. You don't think when you breathe. You don't think when you breathe. You just take it for granted. That's how business is, the language of business. So you've got to be making many decisions a lot of the time, and along the way, you get better at it. Then you make more good decisions, occasionally a few times. Until today, I still make some bad decisions, and I reflect on them. But I don't want to miss the lesson when I make a bad decision. Wrong move, too much risk, not worth the return. A lot of work, unfortunately we're going to lose some money, or we're going to lose a lot of time. We could have done it elsewhere. 
It's okay, but learn to take the lesson. Don't miss the point. So, making decisions is very important. Learning to invest is very important. Now, people always complain that they don't have capital. There are several sources of capital, and I've talked about this in different forums. Check. Yeah. Great. So, I think that's someone who is very experienced in the system, and it's the same thing. You get the money, you retain it, and you start growing it. And the more you do it, the more decisions you make along the way, the easier it becomes, right? So now let's... So that's the overview of what we're going to do. And with the... Just take me down. I'm losing time. With the straightforward financial growth pointers, we've added two more things to, to that principle. So one is to acquire the knowledge, right? And then two, work hard and smart. Three, manage the money. Four, make wise investments. Live generously. And that's the fifth. And the summary of it in these words is believe because acquiring knowledge helps you believe. It helps your mind work better, right? So believe, work, manage, invest, give. Let's try that together. Uh -huh. Believe, work, manage, invest, give. Again, believe, work, manage, invest, give. I'm going to give you a guarantee that if you practice these things, not hear them, practice these things, you are going to become very, very wealthy. If you practice the things we are going to discuss this weekend, I can guarantee you, you're going to become a wealthy person. You're going to change your story. Now let's start, so that, that's the summary of it. Again, what is it? Believe work, manage, invest, give. And we'll do our best in this short time this weekend to sort of touch on each of those briefly. But let's start with the, what I consider to be the most important thing, which is the belief, which is the acquiring the financial knowledge. And let's talk about recalibrating your financial thermostat, right? So, in year X, my mother took me to boarding school. I am the last born of six children, and all my siblings had already been to boarding school. I was the only villager left in the home. I, I was going to the village school. I was as village as it gets, you know, doing all the village stuff. And I always wonder, these people, when they go off with their metallic suitcases or boxes, whatever you call them, What's life like? So, before primary four, my mother says, okay, it's your turn. You're going to boarding school. Nowadays, boarding school doesn't sound so fancy. But those days, boarding school was the real deal if you came from the village because the village school was not going to provide enough quality education, right? <clears throat> so, we packed up. My mother took me to school. We got there. And the most amazing thing happened. My mother gave me pocket money. <clears throat> For the first time, I had my own money. Primary four. No, they were not sending me to the shop this time to buy something for which I have to bring back balance. This was mine. 
Do you remember the first time you had your own money? So, I arrive at school. I have my own money. Life is good. And then, as usually would happen to someone who is not familiar with money, I made lots of friends in one evening. <laughs> money makes, maketh many friends. So I was like, oh, I'm just new, but I'm quite popular. So we had a good time. We had a good time. I'm telling you, we had a good time. And by the time I went to bed that evening, I had used up all my money. Now, I don't want you to assume that we got there in the morning. <clears throat> we didn't arrive at the school early morning. I didn't have a whole day to spend it. It was just a few hours. Ding! Had a good time. Money gone. Now, thankfully, the school, that school, Kamuli Boys Boarding Primary School in Kestene Obis, was, was so good because they had breakfast, break tea, lunch, evening tea. You would not believe they had evening tea. And then dinner. So you really didn't need money to survive. Of course, missing home, mommy's boy last born. <clears throat> I tell her, this school is not working for me. And then she took me to Mwiri Primary School. And I repented. <laughs> I was like, why did I leave Kamri Boys? Because I reached Mwiri Primary School. And we would have half a cup of thin, translucent porridge <laughs> for breakfast. And that took you all the way to lunchtime, where you got a thin wedge of posho and some beans in translucent brown soup. And you had to have bathed, in quotes, bathed to, to, to be on the line for food. What that meant is you went, in the middle of the school, there was a house called Annex where there was one tap. So you just went to that tap, threw your legs in there somewhere, and you know, sort of made them look clean. The idea was not to have dust on your legs when you were in the line. And when water wasn't flowing, <laughs> we used our saliva to, to make sure <laughs> you got in line, right? Are, are you getting the drift? And then you'd have to wait until dinner, which was a repetition of the lunch. Thin wedge of posho. Uh. In fact, it was so bad so that you, first of all, everyone spoke Lusoga. It didn't matter whether you were an Okero or Cheng, Ruabirama, everyone spoke fluent Lusoga. So you'd find some kid seated somewhere near a flower or something, crying. Like, 
Odongochi. Endaleri kunoma. We became very creative, very social. You have to be social to survive. Sam Chisaizia. Man. Yeah, good to see you. We survived. So, you know, once in a long while, they would bring potatoes. And somehow, people, it, it, that only happened on Saturdays. Not every Saturday, like maybe twice a term. And somehow people would spot the pickup with potatoes when it was just entering the gate. And then they would run to eat and escort it all the way to the kitchen. Sing it. Emboli, 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 emboli. It's potatoes we are talking about here, not shrimp. Anyway, back to Kamali boys. So, fast forward, I go through school, including a long course at campus called architecture, and I start working. Again, what happened when I started working? Uh -uh. <laughs> Class, you are being misrepresented here at the front. I started earning my own money. And guess what happened? Nine years later, we at New Dawn Camp and Patrick Vitatore is speaking, and it hit me that the same blueprint I arrived with at Kamli Boys Boarding Primary School in P4 was fully operational nine years after I'd left university. I had no financial goals. I had no assets. I had nothing to my name of this world's goods. I only had the responsibility of a beautiful wife who is here tonight. And two children. And, and that's what I had. I had responsibilities. I didn't have anything. But you know how life can be in Kampala? You somehow think that you, you, uh, you have money. <laughs> Tomorrow we'll be doing that dreaded exercise called net worth. It will reveal some things to you. I had zero assets. So basically, here, here is what it meant. Listen to me carefully. It meant that the people who were leaving university that year, okay? 2010, were at the same level like me who left in 2001. Apart from the wife and two kids. <laughs> Financially speaking, we were the same. We were at par. I, I, they, they were just going to start making money. I was also making money. I had zero. They had zero. 
Nine years had just disappeared. I couldn't trace anything financial pertaining to nine years of my life. If I lived up to 90, that's 10%. It's akin to you're going into a race and then you hang around the starting line for nine years. <laughs> and you wait for all the other people to catch up with you. That's what I did. And I was like, as long as I can help someone out there not to make the mistakes I made, I will. I would. Some of you just left campus maybe a year or two. Some of you probably are students. You're hearing this at the right time. Some of you just like me have been warming up around the starting line, you know. Working hard at a job. But you have nothing to show for your efforts. Welcome. This There's always a place to start. There are three types of education. The general kind which most people in this room probably have already got. Uh, you learn to read, write, count, and socialize. You usually get a bachelor's degree for that one. Or a diploma. Okay? Or a certificate. All right? The days of glorifying bachelor's degrees died in the 70s. <clears throat> so if you have a bachelor's like me, that's us. General. You just learned how to operate. And then there's specialized education where you narrow down and become an expert at something. You usually have a master's or PhD. You're the go-to person in that field. You might be the only person in Uganda or East Africa who can remove someone's heart out of their chest and put it back and it still works. I mean, the rest of us can remove it. <laughs> and we can possibly put it back. The working part is what we can't guarantee, right? <laughs> so you're specialists. People... You're on demand, right? And then the third is financial education, financial literacy. Where you're told how to work this thing called money because the assumption when you're studying, like I did for 18 years, is that at the end of the 18 years, you're going to start making money. But no one took even 30 minutes. I don't remember even a single class where they're saying, Students, boys, today we are going to teach you about how money works. Did anyone ever get that class in school? No. The only people who ever got that got it from wise parents. So I got that class nine years after university. And maybe some of you might be getting it the first time this weekend. Hang on. So, 
What do you think about money and what do you think God thinks about money? As a believer, these two things are going to determine how you operate in the market. Now, think about some of these things that, that either religiously or socially have become accepted sayings about money and people. Huh? Money is the root of all evil. Have you heard of that one? Rich people are shady. Huh? If you find anyone who is rich, they didn't make the money genuinely. You probably have come to believe that subconsciously. It's not at the front of your mind, but you somehow believe it. Either they went underwater, <laughs> or they sacrificed one of their children. You know all the things that people say. Or they just stole the money. It's like, here is what it means. It means that the devil is a more willing partner in wealth creation than God. In other words, if you're going to be rich, the person to work with is Satan, not God, not Jesus. But Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. How can that be the more willing partner than the one who said that I am come that they may have life? And have it more abundantly. Am I making sense? There are all these things we've come to believe. Money leads to temptation and sin. Some people fear money because they think it will sort of destroy them. Look, money doesn't change people. It simply reveals them. In fact, you need some money in your life so that your true character <laughs> is revealed. Like Andrew Mack said, the only reason some people don't sin is because it's too expensive for them. They can't afford it. <laughs> so you be here looking humble. Kumbe, what's missing is Uganda shillings. If you got $5 million tomorrow, would you change? You get a bit of a bounce in your... Did you get an injury? Yes. It's in dollar signs. <laughs> Send us down, Kubie. Then those blessed are the poor. Huh? Matthew. For theirs is the kingdom of. <laughs> oh, God. Huh? Then the poor will always be with you. Some people read that to mean we will always be the poor ones. So there are all sorts of beliefs. H have you heard of stinking rich? Filthy rich? Like, why on earth must rich be smeared with filth and stinking? Mugaga mavundu. Why can't it be... You see, where does that stuff come from? 
we, you are being wired to reject wealth. All those phrases, you're being wired to reject wealth. Because you're thinking, my mother brought me up as a nice boy. Now I'm going to be filthy. I'm going to get money and become filthy because it is filthy rich. Why can't it be beautiful, awesome, holy, righteous, rich? Why can't it be that? <laughs> Thank you, brother. Do you get the idea? So you, you may not even know it, but the system is working against you. All that education, so-called education you got, you were trained not to think about the money. You're only trained to think about the work. The system is designed to produce workers. Not leaders. So they beat all that desire for progress out of you. So that you settle for something. It's not that money, the root of money is not the root of evil. It's the love of money. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We all know a friend, a cousin, an uncle who landed in money. And then that's when they thought they needed more than one wife. Hmm? All those things are revealers. Uh, that's, you know, all sorts of things. We'll be dealing with all of that. So you don't need to have a lot of money to love it. You can have no money and be in total love with the money you don't have. <laughs> and someone else can have a lot of money and they don't love it. They just know how to use it. Now, let's look at some verses and see what God says. About, you know, like, what happens when God is in the picture? He says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. In case you want the context, it wasn't the devil causing that. Tell your neighbor, have you begun to prosper? Because some people begin, then they don't continue. They get the first deal, they get overwhelmed, they're like, oh my man, what? <laughs> and they stop growing. So the, he began, then he continued, and then he became very prosperous. And it says, and the Philistines envied him. You know, sometimes, <laughs> if you have no one envying you, you need to be very concerned. <laughs> Let me just put that out there. Like, how do you know you have become very prosperous? People start saying all sorts of bad things about you. Those who are not redeemed in their minds. No, of course, those people are not here. Tonight, we only have... Beautiful rich. See what happens 
Second uh, Corinthians eight nine, the lower one. It says, "For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh huh, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich." Jesus became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. Do you know you don't need a Greek interpretation for that text? And let me just get it out of the way. He's not talking about spiritual riches. Jesus never got poor spiritually, not even once. He was without sin. And then the whole context, Paul is writing about material wealth, if you read it. All right? See what happens when people follow God's instructions. He was a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the legend makes rich. Is slack godly? Is diligence godly? Yes, it means when you follow God's instructions, you become rich. So how can rich be associated with the devil and poor with God? The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Are we together? Now let's discuss this very sensitive matter as relates to what we are talking about. Recalibrating your financial thermostat. Now, there are two instruments, thermostat and a thermometer. Thermometer measures the temperature. The thermostat determines the temperature in the room. Now, we don't use lots of thermostats here, but you get the drift. Yeah? So some people are just, <laughs> let's first forget the thermometer. Let's focus on the thermostat, lest I lose my way. So, what happens is, if you set the temperature of a thermostat at 25 degrees Celsius, okay? That's like no more room temperature around here. If it becomes so cold, like it used to a few months ago, to go to 17 degrees, the thermostat will kick in the heaters and warm the room up to the temperature you've set it at, which is what? 25 degrees. If it becomes so hot outside and it starts affecting the temperature inside, let's say it's 30 degrees outside and it's trying to get hot inside, what will the thermostat do? It kicks in the coolers and brings down the temperature to 25. That's what the thermostat does. Believe it or not, each one of us has a financial thermostat set at a certain temperature T. And any time you have much less money than what that temperature is, you're going to save, you're going to get extra deals, you're going to, do, to bring it up to speed. And then you feel comfortable. And any time you make more money than that, for some reason you land on a deal. Let's say your thermostat is 30, 30 million shillings. Uh, 10 million. 30 million is too high already. People are looking at me badly. <laughs> and then you happen to get 100 million. Guess what's going to happen? You'll be at every party 
buying all the drinks for everyone you will give. Even the people in church will think, eh? <laughs> you're just going to get rid of that money. You're going to spend it. And then once you have like five million left, that's when you wake up. Eh? Where did all the money go? You're trying to operate at the right temperature. My friend Eric Rudigo, Napoleon, the field marshal, is he here? <laughs> huh? Napoleon. So, his sister sent him some money, 5,000 pounds. <clears throat> That's roughly about 25 million. It was 6,000 pounds, about 30 million. Then he started spending. Do you know when he wakes up, realize the money is going? When he has two million left. At two million, he says, hey, wait a minute. Has that occurred to anyone? You know that from the story I told you, when I arrived at Kamali Boys, my thermostat was at what? <laughs> The coolers were permanently kicked in. <laughs> All right? So everyone has a financial thermostat. And logically speaking, it means that the first thing you must do to change your financial life is change the temperature. For us, we used to walk around thinking, what, what, what? The day we found out that we were poor up here, it was bad. So my wife and I, we started reading everything on money, listening in the car, Secrets of the Million Mind, Richest Money, Babylon, Kiyosaki, Donald Trump, everything. That's how the journey started. It starts up here. You must change this first. Money will never hit your wallet until it has hit your mind. Look, everything starts in the mind. The chair you're seated on existed in someone's mind before it showed up in plastic. The dress you're wearing existed in someone's mind. This building existed in an architect's mind. This mic existed in someone's mind. Are, are you following? Everything first exists in the mind before it becomes reality. Do you accept that principle? So what makes you think that for you, the money will become reality before it exists in the mind first? This is the primary mistake most people make. You leave university, get a job, work hard, work extra jobs, do what? And ignore the thermostat. And you're earning money, but you don't know where it's going. Your temperature is low. So if it first must exist in the mind before it becomes reality, we must mind the mind. Are we together? Now let me tell you about a friend of mine. This guy had a high thermostat, Banang. High temperature. At one point he was like 700 million in debt. Now for some of you, if you've got 
300,000 in debt, you lose sleep. <laughs> Chief led the landlord. <laughs> but this guy was 700 million in debt and he was okay. Every time he said, let's go out for lunch or something, it was either Serena or one of those places. You, can, you could never tell that this guy was in serious financial trouble. He refused to adjust to the environment. He fully expected the financial environment to adjust to him. Even after he had made some bad financial decisions, which he acknowledged, but he was like, okay, that has happened, but this is me, this is my life. Why? He was minding the, the thermostat. No matter the economy of the jungle, the lion will never eat grass. <clears throat> All right. All right, shake your neighbor and say, what kind are you? Some people, they don't have a temperature set, so whatever comes, comes. When life throws rocks at them, they fall down. A millionaire mind is a better asset than money. Because when you have it, it doesn't matter what happens. You're always going to get the money back. If they got all the money in Uganda and equally distributed it to all the one-inch equal distribution, what do you think would happen in exactly two weeks? Huh? The same people who have all the money now, their finances will be going up. And the same people who don't have all the money now, they'll be going down. In other words, it's not the money, it's the mind. People who win the lottery, 95% of the people who win the lottery are in a worse state two years after winning it than they did before. They won the money, they didn't have the mind. So, we have to fix it, right? So, if you want to become wealthy, the first place, where do you start? Up here. This is where we start. You're not rich because you have money, but rather you have money because you are rich. You start by being rich up here. And then you become a money magnet. Don't you know? There are some of those people, money just likes looking for them. And then there are some of those people, money just likes escaping them. <laughs> what do you think is the issue? It's the, it's the heart. It's the... You, guys, you, you get what I'm saying, eh? This thing is spiritual. When you don't create it inside, it can't manifest on the outside. Everything on the outside must first start on the inside. If you want to manifest money on the outside, you must create it on the inside. You must see yourself as a wealthy person. You must start behaving like a wealthy person. You must start hanging out where wealthy people hang out. Anyway, let's finish this session. Uh, sorry, it's running even late because of so many things, including my many stories. But let's look at only four steps to recalibrate your thermostat. 
I'm hoping by now you're convinced you need recalibration. All right. One is reading. That's, please, go out of here, start reading. Starting with straightforward financial growth. Eh? The right hand proverb says, receive my instruction and not silver. And knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. And other things one may desire cannot be compared with her. In other words, wisdom concerning money is better than the money itself. There's lots of great books out there. There's this book called The Richest Man in Babylon. A very old book, full of wisdom. You must get it. There are even audios of these books. Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Man, we listened to that book until we knew all the parts that were coming. Ah, I'm a millionaire mind! <laughs> Who has done Secrets of the Millionaire Mind? The listening part, and then you have to point out your head and say, I have a millionaire mind. You know, at first it's so wacky, you are in traffic and, I have a millionaire mind! Money Won't Make You Rich by Sunday Adelaja. Great book. The Blessed Life. I just finished this book today. Awesome book. And then there's the Rich Dad series and so many others. Whatever you do, start reading. Hang out with the egos. He who walks with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools will be There is claims out there that you are the average, you earn the average of the five closest people to you. So, the closest people to you, and then you know, when you join them, their average earnings and yours are about the same. <clears throat> in the 15 valuable laws of growth, they said growth thrives in conducive environments. What's your environment? John Maxwell says, if you are top of the class, you're in the wrong class. Some of us are comfortable with our current company because they make us feel successful. You get that drift? Like you show up for, and everyone is like, the boss has arrived. You are the real deal. You're the one who knows everything about money. You're the one with the most money in your crowd. <clears throat> Man. Who are you hanging out with? You need, you need to get around bigger people. You need to get around people with bigger dreams. People who will challenge you. One of those days I went to meet this wonderful man and you know we are talking about our different dreams, you know, planting a thousand churches. There. It was like we just got a deal to put our products in 5,000 total petrol stations across Africa. But could you rewind and come again? Yeah. You start talking to people like that. Your mind is going to get opened. Open roof. For you, all you've ever been thinking about is your 50 by 100 plot. <laughs> and people are talking about distribution across the Africa. People are talking money. Sums of money that don't even register on your financial Richter scale. Like they drop them, the, the figure, and you're like, 
error. Huh? Yes, we must do it, right? Yeah. Stop the comfort, the Yoka Comfort Club. If you're all growing financially, that's not good. By the way, when you're old, you need it's better when you have a lot of money. Yeah, old age without money is a mess. Get into wealthy environments. Get into spaces that speak to you, which tell you, Your Royal Highness. And I'm not saying be lack prudence, you know, go blow half of your budget on a meal in some place. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be prudent, right? But in your prudence, plan for some money to go to places that pry your mind open. But if all that you have ever experienced is Mama Gundi in the market, all the food. All food. Eh? All sauce. No. All food. Nkuminya. 4K. All food. The security is right here. You're sweating plasma. You know? Like, what's that? Okay. If, if that's what works on a weekly, okay. Then on Sunday, get the somewhere else. Plan it. Angela is the one who knows the latest restaurants. If you know want to go to the good places, you talk to Angela. And some guys, they get there. <laughs> By the time they finish, they're like, I need a commando. You know, like, they just put a pair of leaves and uh, one potato, and you're paying 90,000. And the guy is calculating. How many Rolexes are these? Those are 60 Rolexes. You know, they, they know how to arrange those leaves very nicely, like in, a, in an X. And then they pour, pour something around it with two potatoes and a piece of meat that is blackish. 90,000. And you're like, I bind. <laughs> Deliverance from all food. Go to places that speak to you, right? We are children of God. These nice places, we are not made for the devil. And then the last one, I'll just deal with for pushback against 
poverty reflexes. Jesus had to speak to the fig tree and say, well, fig tree, don't no one is going to eat from you again. Because he came expecting fruit. There was no fruit. The fig tree was speaking to the son of God. The son of God said, no. What is speaking poverty to you? Is it your yakamita? You know sounds that are related with luck? And then you go and silence it. You know you can silence Please, people. Some of you probably don't know. If you press the left arrow, long press, it will go off. Okay? All along. Yeah. You are there enduring. But once it comes to five units, it will come on again. What? Why? Why do you allow that thing to make satanic noise in your house? Do you know what it is saying to you? It is saying to you, you don't have money. Tonasasula. How about a fuel, fuel gauge? Fuel gauge. Eh? Some people are always in edge day. Like you are just calculating between petrol stations. For some of us, the amount of fuel we put, 10% of it is the fumes that go out of the tank when they are putting the fuel. <laughs> I remember a friend of mine had this brother. He used to borrow the parents' pickup, red pickup, when we were at campus. Then he would get to the petrol station. Bitano. Then they said that would work. Togalina? Obogalina gatekemu. Don't you have 500? Put 500 shillings. But look, whether you put 500 or what, you're going to have to put the fuel. Fill the tank. What else is saying the wrong things to us? Huh? What? ATM. Ay, 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 ay. We are unable to offer cash at this time. At this time, when will you be able to offer it? <laughs> you get that drift. Airtime balance, then I don't know, you have to wake up at 1 a.m. to renew that particular bundle because it only works at that time. I'm like, what? People are waiting until midnight to call because the calls are cheaper. My friend, tell your neighbor I refuse to participate. Gula airtime when we take a call, then call. Okay? Poverty reflexes. How, how about when you go out to eat? Guess which column people are watching? People, people are not even trying to figure out what they want to eat, they go by the price. Give me that thing of 12K. <laughs> you don't even know what it is. 
Now just give me that thing of 12k. Are you ready for mind renewal? Yeah. Huh? Are you ready to change the story? Look, people didn't go to the moon thinking like that. Okay? It all starts in the mind. If you don't do anything up here, you're going to work hard. And money will come to you. And it will leave you. Because it can't find a place to sit. You don't have carrying capacity for money. This is the fight we are all in. How, how much is my capacity for money? All right? Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about why does God want you rich? Not poor, not average. Rich and not stinking rich. Beautiful rich. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.